Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, guys. DG Asun Kamwax. Gorgeous Wednesday afternoon out there. Uh, my guest in studio is Dr. Eric Music from Washington University. Uh, you guys know my story with Alzheimer's. I'll repeat it quickly. My dad died with Alzheimer's at 76, had been diagnosed at about 70. His older brother, same thing. Uh, my Two of my first cousins died in their 50s. Uh, so I am very, very cognizant of this, and I read everything that I can get my hands on. And I ask Andrew, find me someone who's an expert on this. And so he found uh, Eric here. Thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so we are talking a little bit. I don't want to get the cart before the horse and get into the real weeds of this. Uh, but I was doing the story for my listeners yesterday about, hey, you can catch Alzheimer's, and I was I was really angry about it. It's clickbait, and all it is is that this and this uh, about kids who had growth hormone, but it's even more interesting than that because there is a component of this. Yeah, so I don't think people should be worried they're going to catch Alzheimer's from you know their loved ones or out in, in everyday life, but this is an instance where they we've actually, well, we, but it's been shown that you can transmit Alzheimer's from one person to another. Uh, but it, it's a very unusual situation. It's actually something that doesn't happen anymore, where they would take uh, growth hormone, they take you know dead people's brains, grind them up, take this uh, hormone out of them, and give it to children who are deficient in that hormone. Uh, and we, you know, this was commonly done in the 60s, 70s, even the early 80s before we knew better. Now we don't do that anymore because you can catch other diseases from this. Wow. Uh, something called Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which is a prion disease, kind of like mad cow disease. So we stopped doing this, so this doesn't happen, so people don't have to worry about that. But what this new finding shows is that some of these kids, when they got uh, this brain tissue from a person that had Alzheimer's disease, actually later developed it themselves. And so we think it's because these uh, amyloid plaques, this plaque protein, can actually uh, seed or or, or cause uh, plaques to form in another person. Uh, so you're not going to catch it unless you go out and inject a piece of brain into your own brain or eat a brain, but which I would not recommend to anyone. <laughs> but just else. knowing that plaque from a, from a dead person's brain can basically reanimate or at least reinfect another person—that's fascinating. So you, you you mentioned plaque. Is this is it like the Big Bang theory, where it's a theory, and and every now and then an astronomer will say like, oh, I don't think there was a Big Bang. I think there were two. I think it was this long ago. Or are we pretty sure that it is somehow plaque related? Well, it's still controversial, but I think that the data that plaques are involved somehow is, I think, incontrovertible at this point. You know, there's been the the relationship between the amyloid plaques and Alzheimer's disease is very complicated, and people have plaques in their brain. 
for decades before they actually get the disease. And this actually confounds things because a lot of people die before they ever get the disease. They look at their brain, they say, oh, they had plaques, but they didn't have Alzheimer's. But I think, at least from my standpoint, if you look at the data in, in whole, it's pretty suggestive those those people were going to get it eventually if they live long enough. And so, um, you know, and then this new drug that's just been uh, approved and we're now treating people with can remove these plaques, and it seems to slow down the disease to some degree. So mm-hmm. that, you know, that's pretty good evidence that removing the plaques has some impact on the disease. So I remember years and years ago <clears throat> going to a thing, I think it was called Pure Scan, and uh, I held my breath for 30 seconds. They took a scan and they could tell how much plaque, if any, I had in my heart. Is there a similar test to tell whether you have plaque developing in your brain? Yes. And this is actually a major breakthrough. And, and Wash U has played a big role in developing some of these tests. So we now have three different ways that we can tell if people have plaque in their brain before they die. So we used to just have to look at their brain after they die. But you can find these amyloid proteins uh, in the blood, in the spinal fluid, or with a certain kind of scan that we have now. And actually, we use these, we call them biomarkers, Alzheimer's biomarkers. We use them regularly now in our clinic. So patients that come in that have memory problems, we used to just sort of have to watch them and and, and assume it's Alzheimer's. But now we can actually do these specific tests um, and, and tell them if it's, you know, if they have these plaques and thus have likely Alzheimer's. So who should be talking to their doctor about getting one of these tests? Yeah. So, you know, we don't just test anyone off the street, you know, so you have to have a, a real memory problem. So I think if you're worried about your memory, you know, and, and, and particularly if other people are also worried about your memory, um, that's a pretty good indicator something's going on. You know, if you talk to your family members, your friends, they say, yeah, I have noticed you're slipping a little bit. You're forgetting mm-hmm. things. You're missing some appointments. You're repeating yourself. And then by all means, I think that's a good time to come in. Um, you know, these these tests are not FDA approved uh, for people that don't have a memory problem. And, and it gets a little thorny if we just started testing everybody off the street that, you know, um, you know, is worried about Alzheimer's because there's a false positives and false negatives of these tests and we'd run into some problems. Yeah. So what sort of things, because <clears throat> given my history, <clears throat> pardon me, and I'm 59 now, and uh, I, I imagine like most people in my position, if, if I'm talking to Kevin Wheeler and I'm like, uh, uh, I don't remember the Brady Bunch. What was that one kid's name? Bobby. Oh, there it is. It's dementia. You're right. Every time you brain fart, you think that you're done. What sort of things do you worry about? What sort of things are just like everyone does that? Yeah, that's a great question. That's what I do in my clinic is try to try to sort that out. And it's not always easy to do. So we're looking for consistent progressive changes. So everyone forgets something every now and then. Everyone has the name on the tip of their tongue they can't think of. And in fact, we call that tip of the tongue syndrome where you, oh, what's the guy's name? He was in that movie. He's married to that woman. I can't. And then it pops in your head 20 minutes later. We don't think that that's indicative of anything, uh, you know, pathological going on. But if there is a consistent change, you know, where you are just not quite the same as, you know, all the time, every day, more often than not, there's a a problem uh, going on, then that's worrisome. Or if it's getting worse over time. Yeah. Um, If you're just joining us now, we're talking to Dr. Eric Musick from Washington University, talking about Alzheimer's and dementia. do we have much of an idea what it's like for people 
who have Alzheimer's. And, and I asked that. My dad went through uh, the sundowning and he was very agitated and he ended up in a geriatric psych ward for a couple of days. And then he sort of drifted off into oblivion and he was very happy. He didn't know who anyone was, but he was very happy. The doctors gave him Aricept. This would have been like 2000, you know, 1998, 2000. And it brought him back enough that he was agitated again. <laughs> and so I had an argument with the doctors saying, just let him just let him go. He's happier over there than a piece of him over here. Do we have any idea what it's like for people, what they experience? Yeah, that's, an, that's also a great question. I don't think we really do. I mean, I, you know, I've observed a lot of these patients. My colleagues have observed a lot. I mean, I think there is what you're describing. There's a period of time where people are sort of aware of their problem. And that's probably the hardest time for them. Um, there are other people who have very poor insight into it and may not even realize. In fact, a lot of the patients that I talk to, they seem perfectly happy. You know, their families are upset at what's going on, but they may not remember that they have a problem. And, and you know, they they have moments maybe where they're, they're afraid or scared or they yeah. maybe can't tell what's going on around them. And I think that's <clears throat> the hardest thing to imagine. Like if you couldn't remember what had happened five minutes ago and things were ha- you're in an odd environment or things were happening that you didn't understand, that people get sort of afraid and upset, and that's sort of the agitation you're seeing. But what's really going on in, in people's minds, uh, I don't think we, we know exactly. Yeah. Have, have we, does it seem looking back through history that we've always had this, we just called it something else? It looks that way. I mean, certainly the older people live, the more of this we're going to see. And so when people only lived to be 40 years old, we didn't see a whole lot it's good, of it. It's a great point. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was pretty rare before, and even be, up until like the, late 70s, early 80s, it had other names like hardening of the arteries or just senility. The thinking was just when you got old, you'd be, you know, had problems with your memory and you yeah. kind of became what happens. a little off. Uh, and now we think, well, that maybe that's not true. There are people that get old that don't have these problems. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it may be an actual disease that's causing that. So to what degree does genetics play a part? Because my dad, as I said, uh, developed it very young, died very young, relatively. My mom will be 97 in September and shows no signs whatsoever. Yeah, the genetics are complicated. So there are these very, very rare forms where you inherit one gene and you get the disease. We call it autosomal dominant Alzheimer's. We study some of those folks at WashU. They often get the disease in like their 40s, sometimes earlier, very, very early. That's one in a million. So, you know, almost, probably no one listening has that. Um, There are other uh, genes, there's something called APOE, which is a gene that is a high risk factor for getting uh, late onset Alzheimer's disease. And so about 16% of the population has a copy of this gene and it puts you at about two to three fold increased risk. So you have two or three times more risk of getting Alzheimer's over the course of your life than someone that didn't have the gene. But none of these other genes, and then there's a whole bunch of other genes that may increase your risk by 2% here or 4% there. Uh, so it's kind of complicated. You inherit a whole bunch of genes that kind of dictate your risk. So if someone comes in, we on, we don't usually test them for a gene to say, oh, you're going to get it or not, uh, which, you know, but if, if you have a strong family history, you do have a little higher yeah. risks because some of those genes are floating around in there. So whether it's Alzheimer's or cancer or diabetes, we always talk in terms of a cure that one of these days is just, ah, I remember when people used to get Alzheimer's. Uh, I know that's the goal, but for a practitioner like yourself, what are you working toward? What is realistically a good outcome in, say, like the next decade or so? I mean, I think that we could potentially have a preventative regimen for this, where we could identify people that are getting these plaques before they have any memory problems and nip it in the bud. You know, sort of like you... 
you know, treat your cholesterol and your blood pressure before you have a heart attack, uh, you know, so you never have a heart attack. I think we could get there. You know, it won't wipe Alzheimer's off the map entirely, but you could lower, you know, the number of people that get it by a lot. Yeah. I see things all the time because, of course, I'm I'm watching it. Uh, you know, eat this. It's better for you. Don't eat that. It's worse for you. Just today on Drudge, the front page, I saw uh, fasting uh, helps prevent Alzheimer's. Uh, most of these things you kind of like take with a grain of salt. Like, well, that's yeah, sure, you should eat less red meat or you should eat more plant-based, but it's not going to be the determining factor. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, of course, if you eat the worst diet in the world and, you know, never exercise and sleep two hours a night, you're probably going to be at high risk for a lot of diseases. So, you know, I always tell my patients, you know, do things if eat a heart healthy, you know, diet and, and exercise and use your brain as much as you can and try to get good sleep. All the stuff your grandma would have told you probably holds true. I wouldn't say that we have one food or one supplement or something that really is a magic bullet for this. Uh, these studies are all kind of looking back and say, oh, if we, we looked at all the people that got Alzheimer's over the past 50 years and we, you know, looked back at, in time and say, oh, they ate this or they ate that. But it's very hard to know that that's the thing that actually made them get it or not get it. So there are no trials where they take people and say, okay, you eat broccoli and you don't eat broccoli and we'll see in 50 years if you get Alzheimer's. So we don't know for sure. But but general common sense kind of things are, are you know, a pretty good rule of thumb. How about the active mind thing? <clears throat> I've been seeing that for years and years and years that – I have a very active mind job, and uh, that that's good for me. But it also is scary because having an active mind job, as you know, makes you tired. <laughs> and there are times that you feel like you have dementia when you're just tired from having an active brain job. Uh, do you think that's a real thing for people if they're retired? Say, you know, do some puzzles, do some Sudoku, something to keep active. Yeah, I mean, we recommend that. And, and I think it's all kind of um, – the data has been sort of morphed. You know, what, what we know is that people that have higher education or that have higher, more active mind kind of jobs have a lower risk of getting dementia and, and Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. Um, we don't know that if you just do Sudoku every day, you're not going to get it, you know. And the thinking is the more connections you have in your brain, the sort of richer your brain is, you have more to lose before you actually develop impairment. So yeah. if you're really, really smart, you can fall quite a ways before you have trouble. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I we tell people to do this. It's probably a good rule of thumb, uh, but I can't guarantee if you do the New York Times crossword puzzle every day that you're yeah. not going to get Alzheimer's disease. Uh, last question here uh, for Dr. Eric Busick from WashU. So I know that you see patients, but you also do a lot of research. What advice uh, would you have for family members, whether they're just you know, I remember my dad came home one day with the groceries in the trunk with with no grocery bags. And my siblings and I looked at each other and we're like, OK, we we need to have a secret meeting and have a talk. Right. Or if it's full blown and but they're still at home and they're sundowning uh, lots of different kinds of advice, different scenarios. But in general, what sort of words of encouragement or wisdom can you give to uh, the family members of people suffering from dementia? Well, I think people are very hard on themselves, <laughs> the family members, that, you know, everything has to be perfect and optimized and everything for their, their family member. And I think, you know, as long as you have your, your loved one's best interest at heart and you're doing your best for them, that's, you know, the best you can do. And in, in reality, a lot of these little things that people worry about, you know, I have patients and their families like, oh, you've got to read 16 hours a day and only eat, you know, this food and that food. And, and those things may or may not actually matter. You know, what matters is the person's safe, you know, they're supported, uh, they have a, a, a 
you know, good environment where they're they're not afraid and they're not you know, in danger. And and I think most people can provide that. Uh, so you know, it's a very tough world to be a provider. You know, to be a caretaker for Alzheimer's patients. Uh, yeah. You know, there isn't as much support as there should be. You know, insurance doesn't pay for a lot of things that you need, and so. Uh, you know, I think people need to sort of give themselves a break yeah. or they'll wear good themselves advice. out and put themselves at risk of getting. No, good advice. Live through that. Uh, thanks for being here, Doc. Thanks for what you do. Sincerely, really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks. Wheels, can you tell, you, tell us this story about the scandal in hockey in a couple minutes? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty simple story in that there's an accusation of sexual assault uh, going back to, I believe it was 2017. Uh, no, 2018. And now four of the players, um, this, so this was during the uh, World Junior Championships, and these guys were all on Team Canada at the time. So there's an accusation that uh, they all committed a sexual assault, and they are now turning themselves in for arrest. So, And one guy is a former NHL player. So there's five total, four in the NHL, and one guy that's no longer in the NHL was playing overseas but then had to come back to turn himself in. So that's the, that's the stage that we're at. They had to come back to... London, Ontario, turn themselves in um, for arrest and processing and all that, and then the case will continue. <laughs> so it's crazy. I mean, and look, they're they're uh, they're young players, right? I mean, they were world juniors. They were in the juniors in 2018, so they're all early 20s. They're not very old players. Um, and you know, people probably know Carter Hart's name from the Flyers, but it's him, Michael McLeod, Cal Foot, uh, Dylan Dubia of the Flames, and then. Uh, there's the guy that's no longer in the NHL that was a part of this as well that's a, that had to turn himself in. Any denials? Yeah, or? they're all denying it. Okay. They're all saying we've done nothing wrong. They're, well, their lawyers are saying it. Their lawyers yeah. are saying uh, there was they, they, there was no criminal no criminality involved here. Yeah. And I don't think they're commenting on the specifics of the case. Uh, but there's only two ways to describe what's being accounted for, right? Yeah. It's either an assault or it was consensual. Right. And... Obviously, there's dispute over that. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You ever look at a garbage truck go by and think, boy, it would suck to be in the back of that. Like in yeah. it? In it. 
Not riding on the no. outside like the garbage guys do, but the... In it. In it. Yeah, that would suck. 60-year-old woman in New Hampshire, lucky to be alive. She was thrown into a garbage truck and compacted four times. Ooh. How? She was uh, throwing her trash, and she's 60, and she's little, and the trash weighed more than her, I guess, and it carried her in with her. Oh, no. What? So she, I'm guessing, I'm picturing this, she had to kind of like swing it back yeah. and then yeah. try to throw it in and then didn't yeah. let go? Yeah, and they compacted her four times. Oh, my God. And the neighbors could hear her screaming. Oh, my goodness. What the heck? Yeah. So the neighbors could hear it, but the driver? No, I guess so. So Although they, maybe they're it's, like, oh, there goes the garbage screaming again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we must got a pot roast back there, Larry. Uh, uh, yeah, so they stopped them, and it took them 30 minutes to de-trashify it and get her out. She's injured. Uh, some reports are minor. Some reports are serious. <coughs> Pardon me. But she's going to make it. Good. Good, yeah. That's Good terrifying. Lord. It's like the scene from Star Wars. You live 60 years, and then that happens. I can't, can't even imagine. Well, she learned a lesson about letting go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's fine. Prize <laughs> play the music now. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.